Hello, testing one, two, three. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Extrospective Podcast with your host, Zach Villeneuve Snell. Something a little bit different again today. I was about to record a podcast with a guest, but it turns out the booking software didn't quite work correctly and he didn't know we were recording today. But seeing as I've got everything set up, wearing this floral shirt and I'm getting ready to record a podcast, I thought it would be a good opportunity to record nonetheless and to recap on the last couple of months. Now, you might remember back, and if you don't remember, please do check out my Spotify for the rest of the episodes. After the first 10 episodes, so it would have been in around the beginning of November, middle of November, I recorded a podcast called 10 Lessons from 10 Guests, number one. And I had every intention of doing the exact same thing from 11 to 20. Firstly, because I think it's nice to aggregate the lessons from across the guests, but also to pick out the unique lessons from each guest rather than having to dive in and listening to the whole episode, which appreciate not everyone wants to listen to every episode, but maybe it might be a nice way of absorbing the information and the kind of value that hopefully I'm bringing with each episode, but in a much more concise form. And so I thought I would sit down today and off the cuff with no notes, literally just record this live, no cutting, or as, as little cutting as possible. Uh, just look at my Spotify on the right-hand side of my screen with a list of all the podcasts I've done so I don't forget any, although I'm sure I wouldn't. And just take the biggest lessons that I've learned from each individual and from recording with them. So strap yourselves in. Last time it was about 45 minutes. Try and keep this, this one to about the same, if not less. And let's get cracking. So this is quite a long time ago now to remember, but episode 11 was with Inigo Hawkins. I think we recorded this early October. So at the time of recording this, early March, that is what, five months. So it's quite a, it's been quite a while since I recorded with Inigo, but as is the case with every episode, I take a lot away from the podcast personally. You know, there's three reasons really for a podcast to exist. Firstly, to provide a platform for the guests to share their ideas, their expertise, their wisdom, their life learnings, whatever they have to share, is it gives them that platform. Secondly, of course, I'm the person having the conversation with them. So I'm asking the questions, I'm pursuing my curiosity, and I'm learning directly from what they are saying during the conversation and when I'm editing it back and, and kind of segmenting it up and making notes on it. And thirdly, of course, then inviting the listener into that conversation through me learning in public, the listener then gets delivered whatever value the guest and potentially myself bouncing back, back and forth with the guest has to offer. And so the listener then gets the benefit of that of listening and and feeling like they're part of a conversation and you know reasons why people would listen to a podcast is partly to feel like there there's something going on you know people like listening to other people have a conversation even if it's delivering no value whatsoever you know it's, it's quite nice to listen to a podcast oftentimes uh not in a sad way of keeping company but i don't know how else to articulate that on the spot without really thinking about it but just just having something there something with some jokes and funny it's just nice to listen to but also of course the value 
And so that's a very long-winded way of me explaining that I really have integrated the lessons personally as well from recording these episodes into my own life. So in a go, episode 11, going viral, learning Italian and building a personal brand with content creator Inigo Hawkins. Now I came across Inigo probably around a year and a half ago because he went to Reading Uni and I was at Surrey Uni at the time. And through a mutual connection, we just started riding our bikes because we're both cyclists. And it was really great to get connected. Our friendship kind of developed, uh, obviously barely seeing each other, but kind of online. And he grew, he was growing his platform, posting content and asking ideas. And I'd do the same vice versa with ideas, drawing on his inspiration. And so then we recorded the podcast. And I think the the biggest takeaway from Inigo is, is the drive and perseverance that he learned transferring across skills because he grew up and was thrown into uh, kayaking but not any sort of like random kayaking you do on like a field trip. It was literally kayak X number of miles. You'd have to jump out the kayak, run, open the moats, get back in the kayak. Maybe like a stage race with hours and hours of, of cardiovascular exercise. And he said the grim conditions of kayaking, that really awful, challenging weather, you know, being covered in water when it's freezing cold in the British winter, calloused his mind and his body to be able to re- resist giving in and be perseverant and embrace suffering in an almost masochistic way. And obviously I don't mean sexual masochism before anyone pipes in in the DMs. Of course, there is a a certain gratification that I can definitely relate to when it comes to gritting in and digging deep in an athletic or a work endeavor. You know, there's a certain... There's a certain feeling about it when you're in lots of pain from doing exercise that you just want to dig in deeper, whether it's a competitive drive because you know that other people aren't going to be able to dig in as deep as you, or whether it's just a personal love for the pain. I'm not sure if I love the pain that much, but I definitely love the feeling that it gives me afterwards and the sense of accomplishment and and that feeling like you're doing more than others i think you know whether we like to admit it or not does play into some sort of subconscious competitive psyche that we have and so inigo has very well been able to transfer those skills across into his more recent endeavors where he's he's really spent time learning the algorithm studying posting and failing posting and failing and then posting and succeeding just iterating over and over again and in his endeavors now towards trying to make it as a professional cyclist, perhaps later than some, I think he's, he's 23, perhaps going on 24 this year. And so he's obviously coming into the sport relatively late, but he's putting in a lot of work. And we talk about it behind the scenes, and I don't want to out anyone here, but there's a lot of discussion about how much work you should put in, what, what it takes to really be a good cyclist or a good athlete. But he's leaving no no stone unturned. He's riding 20 plus hours a week, going out for five, six hours sometimes when it's unfavorable conditions outside. He's dialing in his nutrition. He's dialing in his rest. And he's making content about it. I think there's something so admirable about committing yourself fully to a goal. Even if the percentage likelihood or whatever, whatever cards you're dealt with the time in, in life, whatever scenario, he's going full head first towards this regardless of whatever he's just going to give it his absolute best shot and see what happens and i think too many of us have a defeatist mindset before we've even begun and what i really love about inigo and what he shared to me in that podcast was a a golden thread throughout it really 
is that relentless drive, which obviously is can be tr- related all the way back to his childhood, but specifically, I at least from what I gathered, it was from that time kayaking and really pushing through. Appreciate I've taken far too long in the go, but I just thought I'd have to have to kind of explain the context there. And I think it's super interesting. And what what everyone can take away from this is that we should commit ourselves fully to something, even if we don't think that we can do it or that we think we have a lower chance on the people of doing it, whatever it may be, you, you know, you're all in either way. So you may as well give it your all and, and then see what happens afterwards. And if you don't get there, again, you can transfer that on or you can seize the opportunities along the way and and, and take a different path with that experience rather than it going to waste. Which again, you know, for someone like Inigo, all the connections he's making, even if he doesn't make it as a pro, he can easily transition somewhere into marketing in the cycle industry or or something along those lines. But enough about Inigo because uh, I've got nine more podcasts to get through. So episode two, uh, sorry, episode 12 with David Hammond, taking the red pill and rediscovering masculinity with founder of self-developed David Hammond. This is my most streamed podcast to date. David has quite a big following online and he reshared the podcast, which is why. It drummed up a little bit of controversy at the time, I remember, because David and I talk about a lot of particularly contentious topics. And as a young man like myself, David, I would argue, also leans heavily towards the side of being more cutthroat and being more, not judgmental in a negative sense, but like judgmental and the harsh reality of life and very crass, which is necessary in a time and place. But that kind of messaging, especially without context, can rub people up the wrong way. And I'm 100% guilty of that in the past and 100% guilty of that in the present. And it's something that I'm continually working on, as I'm actually seeing him working on now as well. But I'm not saying this is a negative because I think that drive is what's brought him so much success and hopefully has led him to help so many young men because he does provide a very brutally honest he holds the mirror up to these young men and encourages them to do better. And sometimes reality, the truth, it can hurt in the short term because we do have lots of shortcomings and we do have lots of areas where we fall short, that we know we could be doing better, that we've lied or hurt other people or hurting ourselves with whatever it may be. We're not doing what we could be doing. We're not living up to our potential. And I think sometimes it's very, very necessary to be kicked out of that that state. And so we had a fantastic conversation and probably the one lesson I'd pick out as much as I learned a lot from David, not only about just studying his psychology and the kind of the loose, I don't want to say loose cannon, but like the way he was firing off with all these ideas and I was trying to like seize them and ground them and then word them back to him and try and make sense of things on the fly. I thought it was all fantastic and there's so many things everywhere. But if I was going to, just say one it'd be the lesson that i learn is that there is a necessity there's a necessity particularly for men to to intentionally focus on bettering themselves before approaching external validation or essentially men should work on themselves before they try and start dating women even though you know don't concern yourself with trying to do the external things when you haven't done the internal work essentially i probably minced my words there but hopefully that makes sense and 
I'm more than happy to have a discussion about the podcast in whole. And if you haven't listened to it, please do go back and listen to it because there is a reason why it's, it's the number one streamed podcast on my podcast so far. It does have a lot of value within it. Um, episode 13 was with Alex Demerell, who I'd probably now consider my friend, ditching hustle culture and pursuing health optimization with performance coach Alex Demerell. The way I said friend there is, is incredibly cringe, but I'm keeping that in because transparency so alex this was a corker honestly i think i think i even said that when i shared it to my story i think in terms of useful information and value that a listener could take away from a podcast with i think even even now i think alex is up there because he touched fundamentally on on the on the topic of sleep as a foundation that we build our nutrition and lifestyle and exercise and and the way we look after mental health and physical health all is kind of structured on sleep there's a tweet i saw the other day from actually a future guest Oliver ranwa but it was like if you miss a meal it's not the end of the world if you miss a workout it's not the end of the world if you miss a significant portion of your sleep your entire day is ruined because your quality of life is severely compromised because you're trying to compensate and i won't go into it but <clears throat> the one lesson i took away from alex i mean him personally is just the the school system and the traditional system of working for someone else isn't for everyone and that we should look to pursue our endeavors our creative endeavors where our skill kind of there's that intersection between our skills and what will make us money and what we're passionate about. And we're trying to marry all those three things, not endorsing polygamy here, <laughs> but so that's him in his personal life. But then in terms of his actual business and the actual take home message from Alex, it's just the importance of sleep. So many of us miss this. I mentioned it in the podcast, but I used to try and get by on six to seven hours of sleep, grinding five thirty in the morning, going to the gym every day at uni. And that was good for a time to teach myself mental discipline, but it was not good for my body and it did compromise my gains and more importantly, compromise my quality of life and how I could show up in all other aspects of my life. And so sometimes you've got to ditch the ego, you've got to ditch the, the badge that you wear for being a, a hustler and a grinder and actually just optimize sleep and optimize your stability as a human being so that you can operate a higher capacity when you do choose to engage with the world. Episode 14, Working Class to Cambridge University and the Physical Theatre Revolution with former actor and senior lecturer Dr. Darren Tunstall. This one got a lot more streams than I was anticipating considering Darren doesn't have any social media and didn't share it anywhere. I think it got 60 or 70 streams, which is all organic just from you guys listening and tuning in, which I I mean, thank you. Uh, and to be honest, it was well-deserved for, for Darren. Because in terms of Genesis stories and the way he was able to describe it, it's probably the best one. He talks about losing his entire family when he was just a teenager to going to Cambridge University from a working class background to nearly getting offered uh, a job role alongside Rowan Atkinson and working with the Chuckle Brothers. It's a corker of an episode, really is. And... It's difficult to pick out one lesson from that because it's so much of his raw 
story told but we do also touch on actionable pointers which is how you possess yourself on stage and not just on stage but in general how how your body language communicates subconsciously to other people about your presence and your confidence and your trustworthiness because if you're hunched over and look untrustworthy i think that's the biggest single determinant of of social cohesion maybe or just how people perceive you subconsciously you know do they see you as a trustworthy individual are they more likely to be reciprocal of your presence and 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 have a conversation in in good spirits so there's lots there's lots really from darren um if i was to speak about his personal life i'd probably say that the fact that he had such a tragic experience when he was a teenager losing his sibling and then his mother and then not longer after his father and then transitioning through i mean he even said it himself he made good and whilst that might not be the best phrase because it does put down people that don't supposedly make good but still do well for themselves in life i think darren connected the dots for me when like relating it all the way back to when david came on and shared his story of social mobility and the kind of moving up the socioeconomic levels in a career from working class and i think darren's story was very raw and uncut from a time when those systems were not in place but he struggled his way up so i don't know there's not really one coherent lesson from darren but he was in a very interesting chap and it's funny enough, actually, I don't know if my mum will listen to this, but my mum listens to my podcast, which is, uh, I don't know, it's a nice feeling to, to have a, a close family member uh, care <laughs> and tune in and pay attention. And yeah, she really liked Darren's story just because obviously it's relatable, similar generation, but also the way he was able to articulate himself on his story was very compelling. And so, yeah, I don't think I can really do it justice by trying to summarize it in a minute or two, but definitely one to go and listen listen back to if that sounds like something you'd be interested in let's keep rattling through these so episode 15 was how to be socially magnetic and overcome the fear of rejection with viral tedx speaker ben chai ben chai was a very interesting individual that's what i'll say i wore a similar floral shirt to this when i recorded with him because he's known for being very extravagant very outgoing very extroverted and if I can think back to Ben, I think it's I think it's just the fact that you don't have to be very good at something. You just have to try. And after trying, you become good at something <laughs> with enough repetition. He mentioned to me several times, because he, he pivoted, if I can remember correctly, through various job roles and and career paths during his career. So he spent time, because of his parents' expectation, coding and working for Microsoft, and even delivering talks on stage globally for Microsoft. I remember he, at some stage in his career, was into property, still is, but when he was first getting into property, he was telling me how he kept consistently failing and getting things wrong with fixing boilers for students and just the, the admin, the logistics of it. But he always was just relentlessly giving things a go, giving new things a go, and eventually getting it right. until. I mean, he's a viral TEDx speaker. His TEDx talks of one's got well over a million, one's got about half a million talking about 
being socially magnetic and overcoming the fear of rejection, funny enough, is his two two podcast uh, two athletics talks. But if I was going to really try and summarize one lesson from the TEDx stuff that he shared, I feel like with this breakdown, the first one it was definitely one lesson from each guest. This one, I'm I'm more sort of going one lesson from their personal life, one lesson from what they actually do or what they're known for, and I think maybe that's indicative of the fact that the first selection of guests were more the way that I was hosting was more just their story whereas as I've progressed the podcast it's become their story and their expertise with value and what they what they're offering is and what actually they have to share and that's something that I've intentionally tried to shift towards not because the people's stories aren't interesting but because I also want to understand and convey information to a larger audience and understand myself not just who is the man behind xyz i also want to know about xyz if that makes sense anyway so yeah about his tedx talks i'd probably say you know becoming socially magnetic is breaking free of social expectation he had a challenge where he had to like read out loud a book in a public place for five minutes and I think he, he mentioned one story in the podcast where he was on a train, he was on the underground and one person said, no, please do carry on. And one person said, no, please be quiet. This is really annoying. And those two people had an argument and it's almost like the fire in the background and him, he's in the foreground. He's still just reading away whatever it is, the financial times where he was reading. And these two people are arguing at the, at the back. I think what that, the powerful story that illustrates is don't care about strangers opinions of what you're doing i think that was the whole point of what he was doing as well is is to is to break free of social pressure and feel like he's i don't know not living for other people and, and doesn't care what people think about him although one thing i'm thinking about now is ironically it does put the it does put the focus on him in a in a scenario so he gets attention for it anyway random side thought Episode 16, the intersection of psychology and economics in the sharing economy with marketing marketing expert, Dr. Sabine Benoit. So, yeah, I mean, Sabine, what, grew up in Germany, played tennis to a very high level, nearly made it as professional, but not quite, transitioned to business at uni and then has been studying consumer marketing and behavior. I think one lesson from Sabine would be i'm just trying to think back to specifically what we talked about on her research i think it, it was the idea of like social contagion and how if you care about the reputation of a group then you're more likely to do uncomfortable work for others that doesn't directly affect you so what i mean by that is i think they ran an experiment where they put like dirty food in a car and there was a car hiring scheme in the neighborhood and they studied as to whether the, the rubbish was added to or taken away. And they found that the rubbish was taken away. So essentially, people, even though it wasn't their rubbish, when they got out of the car, they wanted to clean the car so that the reputation of the local neighborhood maintained, even though it wasn't their rubbish, essentially. So that the next person came in to a nice clean car and had the perception of a clean car. So that's one very one... The thing is, these I, I recorded these so long ago. Sabine, I also recorded in, in sort of early November. So it's really trying to remember back to what the episodes were actually about. But yeah, 
that's that's my lesson from that one is 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 caring about the the group. It's frustrating. I can't remember more about that one. I apologize, but I knew it was going to happen on one of these because all of these ones I'm talking about now, I all recorded within a two week window at the beginning of November, which was nuts because I sent out all these invites, not expecting everyone to get back to me. And they all booked in on my calendar link for the following two weeks. And I was like, oh no, I'm going to be just, I don't know. I was so fatigued after that. But yeah, on to the next one. Tackling our mental health crisis in schools with founder of Wellbeing First, Ben Warrington, episode 17. This one was really, in, was not interesting. It was interesting. The word I was looking for was important. I felt this message was very important to deliver. And I actually do need to check up on Ben on how he's going. I haven't seen him in a few weeks. We were doing weekly C-dips and you know various things have popped up in his personal life. So it'd be good to catch up with him and see how the business is going on. Because uh, it definitely will be, hopefully, someone that I invite back onto the podcast in many months' time to see if he's in a later stage of funding or whether he's got his product out there and the new feedback and, and whether the the school system and with regards to mental health has developed any more kind of a year or two on, for example. But we essentially spoke about his business, his well, firstly, his upbringing, but also his business, which is developing a well-being app to monitor the well-being of children in primary schools because it's now become an Ofsted ranked metric of not only how good the school is doing in terms of grades and actual competence of the students, but also how their mental well-being is doing, which is crazy that that hasn't been a metric before. Ben, because his mum is a children's pastor, had the inspiration from learning coding at uni and knowing what his mum's doing and it's kind of fused the two and is building this app out. And yeah, in terms of lessons, firstly, on a personal note, lessons that bullying can be a good thing if you use it to your advantage. Not that Ben bullied me. I'm not going to keep drilling this into the ground. It was when we were much younger, probably like 11 or 12. But the teasing and stuff definitely calloused me, calloused my mind to uh, to people's opinions about me. And Ben recognized that now as well. And kind of, it was very interesting because we both went very personal on how each of us have developed since we were friends when we were 13, which is almost 10 years ago now, which is crazy to think about. Um, but then as a, as a broader learning that I took away from the conversation that I think the listeners could also be imparted with is probably, is, is, is probably something along the lines of most of us should do more introspection because everything begins in childhood. And everything that begins in childhood for us likely was passed down from the childhood that our parents had, etc., etc. N to the power of infinity. And having an appreciation that no one is perfect and that the various temperamental skews that your parents possess that are then passed down to you are a mixture of positive and negative. Also positive in some scenarios and negative in other scenarios and learning to harness the positive bits, learning to burn the negative bits or apply the negative bits in in the scenarios where they are positive. I hope you're following here. Essentially trying to be appreciative of the fact that 
our childhoods and early development stages are so important for the way that we view the world, the way that we view ourselves, the way that we respond to love, the way that we respond to hard work, the way that we conduct ourselves, how we're apologetic, how empathetic we are with others, and how much of a good leader we are. All, all of these things of how we vary in different social scenarios can emanate from when you're three years old and interacting with other three-year-olds, those dynamics that play out and the importance of that. And I think firstly for, you know, if you're planning to have a child or if you have a child, it's obviously good to know that so that you can do your research and just be as present as you can be and, and really be conscious that you're not imposing onto them bad morals or bad worldviews or whatever. But also just having an appreciation for that and doing the inner work yourself can be really beneficial for your relationships, for your career, for your friendships, for your own personal integrity and, and trust with yourself. I think it's the full package, really. And I think Ben brought that to light. And especially with the work that he's doing, I, I think it's very commendable, particularly because with the skill that he possesses, he could easily go into the private sector and earn probably quite a lot of money. Money. I say private sector as, as, as if he's not in the private sector, but you know what I mean, like actually work for a big tech firm, uh, coding. And I'm just going to say coding because he's a full stack engineer, so it doesn't matter what he, what software is, he can, he can probably do it. Uh, anyway, yeah, let's do let's do the inner work, guys. Let's 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 look back. Let's do some introspection, and uh, make sure we're not carrying trauma forth into future lives. The next one after that is episode eighteen, again recorded in that same time period at the beginning of November. Breaking down barriers and driving social change by living audaciously with philanthropist James Freighter, MD. So, James, I met him at TEDx. He is a medical doctor. He qualified in the summer of last year, summer 2022. And James's story is one of constant application, of constant questioning why not? Why, why can't I do this thing? If there's an external barrier why can i not overcome that barrier and so it's quite interesting watching that same attitude arise in various social scenarios even in scenarios where wouldn't previously have been thought to have been possible so even from getting rejected on student voice or student council or something during your time at university you just emailed them straight back and said sorry no you've got something wrong you've messed up here even though they had not chosen him he just flat out refused to take no for an answer which by the way it, that is very contextual take no for an answer in some scenarios but in other scenarios like this don't take no for an answer if you if you want to be passionate and, and and pursue that and i think that is what has led james from wanting to be a doctor because he could see the utility it had with his own life being saved many times where he could have died in Jamaica, but also then transitioning through into an adult using that skill to take him all the way to being doctor himself, I think is incredibly powerful. And I don't know, man, it, it amazes me how much James can get up to and balance all together and the importance of time management and just being relentless. And I mean, as is the case with a lot of high achievers, 
or over, not overachievers, high achievers, people who have, who have been relatively successful in what they apply themselves at. It is those disciplined and, and, and relentless habits that drive them there. And that's very similar to, I don't know, off the top of my head, Inigo with the with the kayaking and then how it's related to his 100% application towards becoming a professional cyclist. It's, it's his, James, 100% application towards being a doctor and everything around that was facilitating him being a doctor. Now, he's not actually a doctor now. I don't actually know what he's doing, but interesting. Check out his LinkedIn if you want to want to follow him on that. Uh, episode 19 is racing on the world stage and the future of women's cycling with European track champion Izzy Sharp. So again, <laughs> I think this is still one that I recorded back in November that was published on January the 23rd. And Izzy's podcast probably taught me that whatever our current expectations are or our current awareness of possibility is still limited depending on the context of life that you find yourself in. So everything that you are aware of in terms of opportunity and what career paths are possible and what lifestyles are possible and everything in that remit is only a byproduct of all of the things that you've been exposed to, both by your parents and through the school system and through your upbringing and by your peers as you get a little bit older and by your universities potentially. But you've got to remember that's still only 1% of what is possible to be out there. I think there's a quite a striking line I remember Izzy sharing, which was that she used to train solely for nationals to try and get a jersey at nationals, so track cycling or time trial. But now... And she said it like this, but now nationals are just training for world champs. And so that perspective shift of what the same thing can mean in context of the global opportunity must be huge. And I think we've got to ensure that we don't become too closed minded or narrow minded or or think that we know everything that's out there for us to pursue in terms of our athletic endeavors, in terms of our career prospects, in terms of relationships, right? You can't, you can't think, that, oh, there's no good people out there. You know, there's, there's always more opportunity. There is, all, all I see is opportunity. Famous quote, if anyone, uh, if Ed's listening to this, um, good banter. But no, I've never thought I'd use the word banter on the podcast. I think, yeah, that, that episode 19 was was a really stark reminder of that, is that, you know, within a couple of years, Izzy's transition from racing regionally to nationally to internationally to becoming European track champion in, in her age group. And now racing, I think she's almost racing seniors now, track, nation, track nationals, I think, a couple of months ago. And yeah, I mean, her, her development, um, both athletically and emotionally, and maturely in terms of maturity she even spoke about on the podcast has been been very very uh, apparent in the way she supplied herself conducted herself in public she recorded a podcast for example which for a young woman is you know not every young woman or girl i don't know what you want to say is a is confident enough to to get on a podcast i mean i certainly wasn't when i was younger when i was her age in fact so yeah kudos to her and yeah there's always more opportunity than you think there is. All you've got to do is apply yourself and see, seek it 
and apply yourself and get the results and then see what what's what's next from there. <clears throat> uh, in the final roundup, we have episode 20. From racing motocross to monitoring blood lactate, making content and managing family balance with founder of The Edge Coaching, Tom Ramsey, BSC. I followed Tom for about a year and a half, I think. Maybe even two years, I can't remember. But I remember seeing a meme. <laughs> it was a very relatable cycling meme. I don't know if someone shared it or whether it appeared in my algorithm, but it was funny. And I gave it a follow because it was quite novel. It was quite unique. And after I followed, I stuck around. And I really engaged and liked his content because as any content strategy needs to be for that sort of business, and Tom had it pretty nailed, you need to have a blend of personal relatable content, comedic content for the clicks and the views and the reshares, and also then substance and value and information and actionable advice, which Tom shares on a consistent basis with regards to all things, health, performance, and fitness as a bigger picture relating to cycling. Tom shares his story from motocross to monitoring blood lactate. But I think one lesson that has immediately sprung out to me is similar to Greg, actually. So Greg was episode 10. Is the importance of risk and not being afraid to take risk. Because I remember him talking about the leap from doing coaching at giant york but never getting the opportunity to do enough coaching because he's still working for a bike shop and making that leap to setting up his own business at the same time as getting a mortgage and, and getting a house with his wife becky and so whilst that's potentially not the biggest lesson from the podcast if you are going to actually try and extrapolate one summary of it I think that that particular one that he shared has, has sprung out to me here as I'm recalling back to the conversation because it was never guaranteed that he would find success or that he'd be able to provide for his family and and and, and put money put, put put money on the table put food on the table and that sort of thing it's it's never guaranteed but it seems that way looking retrospectively I think that's because as was obvious through his life when he applied himself to things he always went the extra mile and he never really left any stone unturned it can be even found in his story where he shared turning up prepared for a lab result a lab experiment at university when everyone else seems a little bit disorganized and maybe hung over from going out the night before i think that that work ethic that it's very good it's very commendable but it, it's nothing extreme it's just doing slightly more and just going that extra 10% and making sure you're properly set up for what you're about to do. And I think that extra 10% carries its way across his life, when it, whether it's doing that extra bit of research that other coaches might not do, whether it's putting a little bit more time into the social platform, the social media to get clients and, and share with people. And I think in general, just the way that Tom applies himself, whilst managing to strike a great a great level of balance 
with his family. You know, he, he says he really tr intentionally tries to switch off when he's with Millie, his daughter, and, and his wife uh, in the evenings. And I think that's always a struggle when you own your own business that it consumes you because it's your little baby and, you know, there are no set hours of clocking in and clocking out. But I think the way that Tom has been able to apply that discipline and self-impose that and go the extra mile has meant that he's been able to build himself a very, very favorable lifestyle, I'd say. You know, I'm, I'm sure if he's listening to this, you know, he'd say it's not perfect. There's still room to improve. There's always time that you wish you had, especially as you're raising a, a family. But I think if you were to step back and, and look at the life compared to many other people of his age and the other opportunities that lay out there with his skill set as well, I think I think he's in a good place. And I think the lesson that I think people can take away from that is if you go the extra mile, if you're willing to step forth and command authority in the area, so claim to be the expert and showcase that and do the extra work and, and really do it yourself and have a structured disciplined lifestyle around it then people will come along they'll want to come along for the journey they'll want to be associated with you they'll you'll get more opportunities you'll probably live a happier life and ultimately a more fulfilling life bringing a family into the world Plus, then obviously on the on the next episode, which I'll talk about in in a few weeks' time, when we run through twenty one to thirty, he did impart all of his wisdom with regards to well, not all of his wisdom, but all the wisdom that I asked him about with regards to endurance training. And that, I mean, that one was 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 fantastic for for any cyclists or endurance athletes listening in terms of applicable advice and relatable content when it comes to training and nutrition and structure and lifestyle and blah, blah, blah. That stuff was, was again, as I mentioned right at the beginning of this podcast, why would you have a podcast? So to give him a platform to share those things so people can go to him if they want coaching. Secondly, I get to learn all that information live on the spot, ask him the questions that I want to know about power meters and training and heart rate and sleep and difference between health and performance nutrition which was a massive idea that i'd not heard articulated in such a fantastic way and that i've taken away fully into my belief system so clearly there's that element and then of course everyone else gets to listen to that everyone else hopefully gets to have those same revelations as i'm having live as he maybe even is having live as he's articulating things that he already knows but in a novel fresh way in a podcast so there we go. That is 10 lessons from another 10 guests. A little bit late. I apologize. This will probably go out midweek. I just want to get this out. Uh, I probably should have done it nestled in with the others, but maybe it's a good idea to not break the flow of weekly episodes and just to throw it in a bit more randomly rather than being on a Monday. Obviously, this makes no difference if you're not listening to this on a Monday, which is unlikely um, if you're listening to this on a random day. But yeah, let me know, actually, if you've if you enjoyed the way that I summarize these, then please do let me know and I'll continue. And also, if you'd like to know anything about me, please do let me know. Uh, I'm thinking about doing a bit of a solo Q&A or maybe even integrating solo life updates in with these 10 lessons from 10 guests and maybe talk a little bit about how I've personally applied the lessons that I've learned because I do genuinely believe that as a self-development tool, having a podcast is absolutely fantastic. And I think... The way that I've been able to 
integrate a lot of these lessons I've been talking about today into the way I view the world and my lifestyle and give me a, a better appreciation for the opportunities that are out there, the different personalities and characteristics, the different pathways that, that exist and the network that I've built from this. I mean, it's, it's all just incredible. So I can't thank you all enough for your continued support. And I can't thank all the guests enough for giving their time and, 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 and wisdom to share. And yeah, I think we'll call it wraps, but thank you all for listening or if you're for some reason watching this. I'm joking. I'll, um, sorry. Ah, oh, I said I wasn't going to cut it, but I feel like I have to cut it out. Anyway, time to crack on, make myself some tea, but hopefully this will go out very shortly. So there's a bit of, a, there's no lag between me recording it and posting it. Talk to you all later and look forward to next week's episode. Cheers.